Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... Jason. And Andrew's back again, second time consecutively. I don't know what we're doing right, but here (laughs) you are. Going for a record. Uh, Tonight we are talking about the 2018 film Upgrade. Upgrade was written and directed by uh, Lee Wanell. Probably Wanell. Wanell. What now? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't watch the fucking spoopy horror shit. Um, and it is starring Logan Marshall Green, Betty Gabriel, Harrison Gilbertson, and uh, a bunch of other people as well. Um, the film was uh, shot for $3 million, and it made a whopping $17 million back. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a whopping box office success. That's a good one. I mean, I don't know multiplication, but uh, I know it's like, what, almost six times its budget? I don't know how I know they shot this budget, on, or shot this movie on like a shoestring budget. There's a few of those arms, a few of those robot helper arms were literally just like those Ergotron, like computer monitor mounts. <laughs> like that they have at like colleges. I, I've installed yeah, but- those at IUN. Yeah, but, like, why manufacture something entirely fresh when you can just spend probably less money to just buy a couple of those? I can tell you those mounts are probably 50 bucks on Amazon. Yeah, there you go. That's how you do it. That is just working, making your dollar go as far as it can. Smarter, not harder. Absolutely. All right, before we get into this, though, let me just do a quick synopsis. I don't think I've ever done one of these before. A brutal mugging leaves Gray Trace paralyzed in the hospital and his beloved wife dead. A billionaire inventor soon offers Trace a cure, an artificial intelligence implant called STEM, that will enhance his body. Now able to walk, Gray finds that he also has superhuman strength and agility, skills he uses to seek revenge against the thugs who destroyed his life. Uh, it's, it's Upgrade. It's Upgrade. Upgraded. Upgraded. All right. Okay, boys. Uh, so I knew about this movie. I saw like a trailer for it when it was first coming out. I thought it looked pretty sick. Uh, and then I watched the movie. <laughs> I thought it was all right. But I'm sorry. I, yeah. I'm not going to say that the movie like blew my mind. Maybe I just wasn't in the right state of mind. But, uh, Could be. It's all right. Yeah. I don't know. For me, I uh, went into this movie with no knowledge of its existence. And there's you don't have to do a lot to draw me into a movie, especially if your premise is like um, revenge thriller. <laughs> um, big fan of the John Wick movies. Big fan of um, uh, the God, the Death Wish movies. Um, I, I love a, rever- a revenge uh, thriller, revenge action kind of movie. So that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Um... On, on my end, you know, this is one of those where it, it happens every so often. Like, it's a movie that I knew about when it came out, but um, I just never got around to seeing it. And I think um, it was earlier this year, actually. I, I didn't do a rewatch for it, but I, I remembered enough from earlier this year when I watched it finally. I think I was in, like, uh, kind of a... 
like a, a cyberpunky mood. I think it was maybe after I got cyberpunk and I was playing it. And then usually whenever if like I'm engaging with a piece of media like that, uh, it'll just kind of open the floodgates. You know, I remember when I was playing like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, all of a sudden I started watching Vikings and, you know, all that stuff. So it's kind of the same thing. So I started looking for cyberpunk media or like uh, transhuman media that I hadn't watched. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? This came out a few years ago. I haven't watched it yet. It seems like it's pretty well reviewed. You know, it did pretty well uh, commercially, critically, obviously. So let's check it out. And um, you know, I think I streamed it one night, like late at night, typically when I watch my movies. And uh, I was actually really, like, surprised and, uh, and impressed with it. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think as a film, you know, it's not the greatest film out there um, from, from that perspective, a filmic perspective, but uh, it definitely has a lot of that kind of like classic, I hesitate to use the word like schlocky, because in this case, I don't think it's schlocky, but a lot of those films were from the 80s, kind of that revenge, revenge fantasy horror sort of vibe. But I think what really does the film uh, a service is that, you know, it kind of revels in that like ultra violent, gory, semi-grindhouse um, style that we've kind of, I guess, like aforementioned here with, with a lot of those films. But it almost kind of reminds me in some ways of like, um, on a commercial level, obviously much lighter than like the uh, Hobo with a Shotgun or the uh, VFWs, that type of movie. But it has a similar sort of uh, kind of grindhouse adjacent vibe to it that I, I definitely liked a lot, um, kind of seeing that in a, a mainstream theatrical release so that was kind of cool so yeah first impression of the film was definitely very positive mm -hmm. <clears throat> i mean from the standpoint that you just mentioned jason i would agree um but i will kind of say that some things i <laughs> i think they really just uh kind of missed the mark on uh, first off the dialogue not that i would expect great dialogue in a movie like this i thought it was atrocious um, I thought the actors were all C-listers. You know, they got what they paid for, for sure. But uh, they definitely just got the poor version of A-listers. Uh, what, what did you say, <laughs> Andrew? Your name? Oh is yeah, it's, uh, it's it's. I think it's. Uh, I think my Discord name right now is Tom Hardly. Tom Hardly. I mean, the actor is one hundred percent. They tried to make him look as much like Tom Hardy as they possibly mm -hmm. could. Uh, I honestly think that the the villain. Not, uh, spoiler alert, but the uh, the Aaron Gilbertson guy, uh, I think he um, he's a, a mix between a poor man's uh, uh, Rami Malek and a Dane DeHaan. Like, it was fucking <laughs> awful. Yeah, he was <laughs> terrible. Very Dane DeHaan-ish. Yeah. But all the way he was, like, presenting himself was all very, like, Rami Malek. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't look past those things. They were glaring. The henchmen were fucking terrible. The action sequences were cool, but that's about it for me. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. No, I mean, that's 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 like, you know, I mean, it, that's your interpretation, right? So, I mean, you're definitely, uh, you yeah, can have, your, have your thought on it. Um, yeah, no, I think for me, like, I, I was, uh, and, and I don't know since I didn't do, like, a direct rewatch, you know, I didn't watch it in the last 48 hours here, so... Um, I don't think I'm looking at it through rose-colored glasses, but it just, to me, seemed like it was it was pretty refreshing um, just for what it was, and it definitely uh, scratched an itch that I kind of was feeling at the time. You know, I, I like 
these types of movies where they kind of have like um, a concept like this and they kind of kind of roll with it. One, one of the things that's always um, been disturbing to me in a good way, it's like that, um, I almost call it, it's like the car crash effect, right? It's like you, you can't look away. You're disturbed by it, but it's it, it also kind of like uh, elicits a certain response from me. Is the type of science fiction um, that I would point to, like very much like uh, probably the best example would be the original RoboCop, where you have a character that basically you know is is likable for the most part, or like you know you you uh, meet the character, they kind of establish the character's uh, motivation or their family or the personality or whatever. And then you just see everything kind of ripped away from that character in just like the most brutal way possible. Like I know the the scene in RoboCop where uh, you know Peter Weller's character, um, you know, before he becomes RoboCop, just gets absolutely like mutilated <laughs> by the uh, um, by the you know the criminal characters or whatever that he ends up taking revenge on. Very kind of similar, but yeah, I thought this the setup for the story where um, uh, the, the the main character kind of becomes paralyzed or becomes like a quadriplegic and then his wife is is killed murdered um it was just so brutal that that definitely engaged me right away and um i think uh for me it's it's that sense of kind of like empathy and then sympathy for uh the situation the character's in because i kind of do a lot of that whenever i'm watching or reading uh you know really engaging with any sort of media it's always like kind of putting myself in that character's shoes you just for me I thought that was pretty effective, uh, just how horrible that would be if you think about, you know, the, the situation the character was in. So I definitely kind of thought as a setup for the story and what we eventually find with the uh, the operating system that gets implanted in him that allows him to do all these crazy things and kind of take revenge, that uh, that was a really effective setup, at least for me, um, story-wise. Mm -hmm. So I, I liked that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to shoot the movie down or anything. I just, I guess I'm just being unfair. Like, yeah, I could just tell that it was cost $3 million to make <laughs> at times. Um, special effects, though, I thought they did do a very good job. It didn't feel watered down in any way. Um, I will tell you that the uh, the scene where the dude's, like, face almost gets cut in half by the knife in the kitchen, mm. the first, like, his first kill... I wasn't expecting that. That one made me no. like kind of slide away from my desk a little bit. I was just like, "Holy shit!" Okay. Yeah, I definitely. Kind of movie. I exclaimed out loud when that happened. I'm like, "Whoa!" And I wasn't overly familiar with the director's work, so I, um, I didn't really know who directed. I didn't go in knowing that, so I guess that's kind of par for the course for him, though. Yeah. Um. Who did you say it was? One L. Yeah, Lee, did, uh, didn't he do, Lee like, did he do like the Saw movies and everything? He might have because I saw like a jigsaw uh, graffiti in um, the uh, the hackers apartment complex. Oh, yeah, he did. It was him and James Wan. James like Wan, partners, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, have been partners. I didn't realize he yeah. was the other half of that. Yeah, um, well, I'm definitely not a James Wan fan. Uh, I don't really care for his horror films or really much of anything he does outside of like the original Saw. But um, yeah, I don't know. I really did like this though. But but I think you know, for me, 
I mean, if we're kind of comparing this, like if we want to put like Upgrade next to even some recent films we've done, like you put Upgrade next to Automata, I think Upgrade's a better film than Automata is, personally. Um, not that I, you know, think that that was bad film. I don't think Upgrade's a bad film either, but I think just in terms of how tightly things were, were done. Um, that being said, though, you know, I guess I'll, I'll be the one to kind of like defend it. I don't think it's necessarily a movie about like the performances per se, because it really does... Um, it hinges a lot of its reason for existence on that whole um, 80s schlock revenge kind of thing. So, I mean, it, it really is kind of a dressed-up B-movie, and, and that's, kind of the, um, that's kind of the framework that it's operating within. But I do kind of like some of those kitschy elements, like the, the horror and like the ultra-violence that you see in some of those scenes. I think the way that the fight kind of choreography is done as well, where it's very like centered on the character... Um, and almost kind of uh, highlights how unnatural the movements are and kind of what he's able to do. I thought that was really creative. I actually read something, too, that they accomplished that by they put a phone on, uh, um, what is it, Brian Austin? Not Brian Austin Green. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Austin Green. That's uh, good. No, it's, it's Logan Marshall Green. Logan Brian Marshall. Austin Green is the Dawson's Creek guy or uh, is 90210 or whatever the hell it is. I think it's 90210. 90210. <laughs> But anyway, so, yeah, Logan Marshall Green, they put, like, a cell phone on him, and they used that to track the movements of the camera. So, like, the camera was tracking the cell phone shot, and that's how it kept him, like, in the middle of the frame. That's kind of give it that almost, like, unnatural yeah. look. So that, that's kind of cool as well. But, yeah, you know, it, it's, to me, like, the movie is what it is. It, it's unapologetic about it. I think it knows what it wants to be in, in that regard, and it's pretty effective. Um, but I think, you know, some of the, some of the, questions it asks in, in like our sci-fi context, I thought were, were fairly interesting. I mean, if you think about it, um, the whole idea of the kind of transhuman um, allowing technology to kind of interface with your flesh and bone body and then um, kind of that consciousness taking over, especially in the ending and kind of what the, uh, I guess, implications of the ending are. That was pretty pretty interesting, kind of like a Pandora's box thing, you know, um, to kind of take this plunge because you're going for revenge, but, you know, it's like, uh, what, like a monkey's paw, you know, you, you're in that position and um, you've made that wish, but then ultimately it leads to the character kind of simultaneously getting what he wants, but also losing everything, literally everything he had left to lose. So I, I kind of like that as well. Um, yeah, no, I, do you guys really want to talk about the ending? Um, I thought that was kind of a hell of a twist. I did not see that one coming. No, like, well, they kind of the double twist, right? Well, I mean, okay, so I, I definitely saw that uh, Gilbertson was going to be like, uh, I keep calling Gilbertson, but the, the Aaron character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I keep, I, I knew that he was going to be like the bad guy at the end. I thought that's how it was going to go. And they mm -hmm. took it that one last twist where... He wasn't the bad guy. He was just a puppet, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was Stem the whole time. No, no. And then there was that moment where, um, sorry again for spoilers, but he like puts the gun to his neck like he's going to end it all. Uh, he's he's going to stop Stem and everything, get his life back, or at least for a split second. And uh, and then like it shows him waking up in the hospital bed. And, oh, honey, you've been in an accident. And I was like, all right, so it's been a dream the whole time because that'd be lame. Or he's dead now. Mm -hmm. Also lame. 
they did it perfectly. Yep. He's now trapped inside his own little mind, and Stem just has complete control of his body. I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. That yeah, was, really, yeah, tra- really tragic, good. too. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah it's just a sad... But then if you look at the people who made this movie, are there really happy endings in those movies? <laughs> no, yeah, but I, really. I agree with you. I think that it was, it was done pretty effectively just because it's kind of like, yeah, the whole thing was a setup, and the plan went according to plan the, the entire way. Everything in the film was planned out to a T by STEM. Um, you know, so like it was the execution of a plan that we were watching, but um, kind of not knowing any more than our, our character um, was aware of, I thought was was pretty good device to kind of frame it. Uh, and I also thought like, I don't know, I liked um, like the villain. I'm trying to think what his name was. Was it, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, Fisk. Mustache guy, Fisk, yeah. Fisk. I liked him as a villain, too. Um, I agree with Colin that some of the villains were kind of goofy, or at least a lot of the nameless sort of henchmen types were kind of goofy, but I liked Fisk as a villain. He wasn't like a traditional villain. He was almost like a villain in the same way that uh, um, he reminded me a lot of, and I know the movie itself is is what it is, uh, but uh, he reminded me a lot of like Charlotte Copley in uh, Elysium. He had the, <laughs> same, the same type of like... Goofy, goofy white guy villain thing. So, like that Copley had. We've never covered Elysium. And we, I might oh. want to, just because I just <laughs> had my students watch that uh, in my film class the other day. I, I, I should you not. We we watched Elysium, and That's I was like, funny. "Fuck, this movie is not as bad as I remember it being." We should cover this. Um, but yes, yeah, Shelton Copley in that film. I would say it's the same. Yeah, same vibe. Um, yeah, Miller, without like spoiling it, it's just, you know, Shelto Copley in uh, District 9, like, definitely oh, yeah. has that, that sort of, um, you know, it's not, it's a different type of menace. It's more like menacing in the character's um, intelligence and kind of how cold and calculated they are versus them being like a real intimidating big brute bad guy. Mm-hmm. That was kind of what I got from Fisk's character. Um, so, you know, it was like he was uh, one step ahead. You know, he seemed like he was really intelligent, and that was that coupled with him also being augmented mm-hmm. was kind of where his threat came into play. Um, and I thought that that fight scene where uh, Stem, I guess, um, ultimately kills him was really effective in the way that he kind of did it because if it was a fist fight, you know, that he was outmatched, but getting in his head and kind of fucking with him was ultimately what allowed him to, you know, end him in suitably brutal fashion. But um, I definitely enjoyed that as well. Um, and yeah, you know, I think we, we've talked about it, but doing what they did on $3 million budget, obviously there's not a lot of room there to like do a bunch of crazy vistas and a lot of crazy, like, you know, sci-fi tech stuff. But I feel like for the price that they paid to develop the film and the and what they had to work with coupled with the time period that this is supposed to take place like 2040s ish um it was pretty believable you know it was kind of a we're coming off a, a strong run right now i feel like a films that kind of are believable in that sense with their their time period for what the production design was able to do you know automata um uh, archive you know it seemed like we're not we, we haven't really been covering Fifty million dollar spectacle blockbuster. Well, you know, just get get you ready because in a few <laughs> weeks we're doing Dune, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's actually, I think that's kind of cool that we did the movies or, or the properties that we've done in the lead up to Dune because now we'll, we'll get a real big budget kind of production uh-huh. comparison um, to see. But I, I liked what they did. I think you were talking Miller about some things they did with some like 
boom stands and other things and try to like dress mm-hmm. them up and make them look like they're you know future tech but like cl- close future tech you know we're oh, not yeah. like into the realm of things that are outside the realm mm-hmm. of possibility I guess you could say so um, I, I also kind of appreciated that from like a production design standpoint it was definitely interesting to see that it's it, it literally isn't I mean we're, we're working on trying to get autonomous cars going now you know and uh, I, I I don't know I mean, I, I view it almost all as a, uh, almost like a cautionary tale, you know, uh, especially, I mean, it, it's, it's overt with the, the naming of, uh, the ultimate villain, you know, STEM, you know, STEM's an acronym, you know, for what is it? Uh, science, technology, engineering, mechanics, yeah, mathematics, mathematics. Um, yeah. it's like, Ooh, don't, uh, let's, let's not rely too much on technology or else it could take over some guy and, what? you know, but yeah, I mean, I knew exactly what the theme of the movie was going to be as mm-hmm. soon as it's like, oh, Trace, old school, fixing mm-hmm. old hot rods. Oh, yeah. you know, hey, babe, let's print a pizza. How about we make a pizza? Yeah. You know, like all these, I was like, okay, he's definitely like anti technology doing everything for you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think that is the cautionary tale at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily like a, like a, um, a technophobia or um what's what's the exact word i'm thinking of um, troglodyte yeah it's not it's not like a troglodyte kind of a thing but it's definitely i don't know it, it's got that that viewing it's got that viewing of like um uh, luddite and neo luddite like luddite L- yes luddite. yeah luddite's what it is um it's got that luddite viewing where it's like oh technology bad Arr, it's, you know keep me safe in my old dark age you know um it's got that viewing, but yeah, I mean, I also like that that's just an interpretation. could also just view this as a straight up, you know, revenge kind of thriller with a sci-fi bent to it. Yeah, you know, I think for me, like, my read of it is not necessarily that it's anti to the point where it's like, yeah, burn your burn your computers or, you know, technology is bad. But I think it's when you take that leap that, uh, you know, really at the end of the day, it's 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 an AI, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what's been developed. It's it's this free thinking kind of um, artificial consciousness that ultimately and that's where kind of like the body horror for me elements come in, too, like that's its solution you know it can't create its own means of um becoming autonomous in that way where Mm -hmm. it can freely walk around and all that so it needs a body you know it needs Mm -hmm. it needs the old school it needs the flesh and blood in order to do that um so i think it's like that marriage of the ai and the human brain and the human machine um that kind of makes it uh it, it it makes it to me a cautionary tale on that on taking that leap you know it's not technology in so far as um it it, technology can't be useful or can't be helpful but it's when you get to that point and we start looking at becoming a synthetic organism um that you know you run that risk where and and i thought that was kind of the the main conceit that this movie did well or at least tried to do in a unique way is that merging of those two avenues you know merging of this this guy who is you know he's handicapped and the technology will allow him to kind of regain these things but of course or things he lost but 
at least in terms of his mobility, but instead of just saying, oh, this is great, I can walk again, I'm going to try to live the rest of my days out and be somewhat functional and everything else like that, you know, he uses the that ability or that superpower to go and kill everybody and then ultimately winds up where he winds up. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a, a kind of an interesting read on that. We've seen the revenge tale a million times, but kind of in this way and, and with these... Um, uh, kind of story parameters. I don't really think we've seen that before. So, yeah, here's my kind of thought on, on the whole thing. Like it was a little, I was trying to figure it out. Do you guys think that STEM unlocked the ability to control Gray's mind after all of the input guards were taken down? Or do you think that he always had the ability to sort of go in there and sort of tinker with his brain. Cause if all STEM was doing was interpreting the electrical impulses, um, from Gray's brain to his limbs or to his bodily functions or what have you, you know, it seems like it could go the opposite way too. You could start sending its own electrical impulses back up the, up the wires, you know, that's how he locked it. That's how he ends up, you know, locked in his brain at the end of the movie, but it was just, you kind of got the idea that STEM didn't, he, he, or the, at least the conceit was that STEM didn't actually, he couldn't read his thoughts, so to speak. But yet by the end, he's locking him in his brain. So I don't know if that's a continuity thing or if that's like an acquired power, you know? Yeah, I think that he always, or STEM, it, always had the ability to kind of assume control, mm -hmm. but that as that safeguard that um, the... Uh, uh, what did, what did uh, Colin call him? Uh, bargain bin Rami Malek, the, <laughs> the safeguard that was kind of installed that didn't allow or, or gave the the user, the ultimate like user um, or person that was looking at the screen uh, that control, you know, the, the kill switch, as it were, like that. That was what needed to be removed in order for STEM to kind of follow follow through on the final aspects of its plan but i think it it, it could have taken over from th that first minute if it wanted to but then it could have been shut off or could have been shut down and i think wouldn't have been able to kind of do as it wanted unimpeded so i think throughout the course of the movie and following that arc and kind of all the visits they do and you know meeting the hacker and all that stuff that's kind of what allowed stem to now it's it's not on the network anymore, so it can do what it pleases and go where it, where it pleases. And it's kind of interesting to me that like it's almost a bit of a um, inversion in some ways of uh, Ex Machina. Mm. Yeah, I'm not yeah. not saying in terms of quality, but in terms of the what happens at the end in, in Ex Machina, you have this character who kind of is is trying to become human, or at least um, insert itself into the human experience and kind of do its own thing because it wants to have those experiences and, and learn and, you know, whatever. Um, and it's interesting because STEM kind of has the same goal. It's the way they go about it. I mean, there's lots of death and destruction kind of left in the wake of that, but um, that it's STEM kind of assuming control of this vessel. And then, you know, we're ultimately kind of left to think, well, okay, all the, the main players are now dealt with in one way or another, whether they're locked in their own mind or they're dead or whatever. So who knows what STEM's going to do now? Is is STEM going to go and try to take over the world or just 
be kind of a benign thing <laughs> in society. Like, you know, I, I thought that was kind of an interesting implication of the ending of the movie, too, so. Yeah, that, that, that's Indeed. a really interesting, really interesting thought. I, I appreciate that. Um, well, I don't know, fellas. Uh, does anyone else have anything they want to share? Yeah, I think that was it for me. It was just mainly, um, I think most of what we wanted to talk about or what I wanted to bring up the movie we did. Um, you know, yeah, same thing, kind of fast and loose movie, right? I mean, it wasn't the deepest film ever made. It, it didn't have some big uh, highfalutin, high-reaching agenda. I thought it was a good piece of, like, genre filmmaking, but I also appreciated kind of what it what it added to the uh, the body of work when it comes to that type of that type of exploration of consciousness and AI and the future and whatnot. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, you want to do a quick round of good sci-fi, bad sci-fi? Starting. With wow, Jason. could this be our shortest episode ever? Might be. Yeah, it just might be. Yeah. Doesn't help when Colin didn't like the movie. It's not that I didn't like the movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just saying. Yeah, you're being quiet. Yeah, you're, you're being more quiet um, than I was those last uh, those other episodes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I think you guys know, like, obviously, um, you know, kind of bummed that it didn't, uh, knock everyone's socks off quite as much as it did me. Um, like I said, I, I, I wouldn't ever say this was like the best movie ever or anything like that, but I enjoy this type of kind of genre filmmaking or the, uh, the grindhousey sort of filmmaking, the, the, the gory stuff, you know, I'm, I'm really into that. So I definitely enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty fresh for when I saw it. So I would say it was a good, a good movie. I, I definitely would hold it up there. Um, probably in higher regard than a few of the more recent, uh, films that we've covered. And I thought it, as far as sci-fi, you know, it was, it was okay sci-fi. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't great. I think we explained like, uh, uh, a lot of the themes it touched on, but it didn't really go too, too deep into that realm. So I thought, okay, sci-fi did ask some questions and tried to maybe give some answers to that. But um, overall, solid, I would say. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Andrew? Yeah. Uh, no, Jason, I don't I don't want you to think I didn't enjoy the movie. I was, uh, I mean, I, I think it was probably 10, 15 minutes into the movie or whatever, like, I was like, all right, I'm in. Okay, yeah, revenge thriller. Okay, I can I can get on board with this, you know. Um, I you know I like the little sci-fi bent. I it's I would uh, it's it's just another one of those movies I would qualify or like quantify sci-fi as like the second in terms of like genres. So if we're calling it like action sci-fi or like revenge thriller sci-fi, you know, the sci-fi is there in in the background. In the kind of tingling in the back of your head, Ooh. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely there, and it's definitely an interest. It was an interesting movie for sure. So um, yeah, kind of you know, kind of okay, decent, good sci-fi. Um, but I, I liked the movie a lot. I enjoyed the movie. All right, very cool. Um, I thought the movie once again they they did the best they could with the budget they had. Um, this screams self-funded in a way. Um, by the probably the producers, obviously. Uh, I thought that um, it playing out as a movie went okay. Like you said, Jason, they're not reinventing the wheel with it being like a revenge thriller. Uh, I just thought the twist at the end was pretty damn good. Um, in terms of it being sci-fi, uh, yeah, it was all right. It, it didn't feel... 
I, I, nothing felt shoehorned in there like they were just going to put a bunch of random science in there. I thought it was okay. They didn't try to bite off more than they could chew in that regard, I guess. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was okay sci-fi. Um, well, there you have it. Cool. That's, that's my take, at least. Um, Don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. No, it's okay. Sorry, <laughs> sorry if the episode is sorry the episode's super short. No, it's just funny. Most of the time, Colin and I pretty usually have the same read on movies and, and whatnot and things we cover, but today yeah, was Maybe I just wasn't different. in the right mindset. I don't know. That's, That's probably just it. Thought it's, that, yeah. it's, it's my fault. It's my fault, not the movie's it's, yeah, fault. It's yeah, it's well. definitely coming. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> next week, I believe, we are covering the miniseries Solos. I'm going to do my damnedest to get that covered this week. Um, How many were we talking? I think it's an eight-episode miniseries. Is that a miniseries? To me, like a miniseries is like four-hour-long episodes, you know? I would say it's like eight. So it, let's say it's a limited series is sure. what it is. Limited okay. series. So, right, so I'm right. going to try to get I that. I like limited down. better. Uh, otherwise, it might just be the a solo bill cast. Oh. No, no I'll, I'll try to get on it as well. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's it, folks. So until next time. <laughs>